Hi there, welcome back to The Fuse Show. Today I am your host, David Tran, and we are going to be talking about the theme of the chaotic and efficient state of the supply chain. Today I'm joined by Rick Burnett. He's the founder and CEO of Lane Access. His extensive knowledge of mobile technology, software development, and deep expert, um, experience in and the love for trucking and logistics inspired him to create Lane Access. He's a former partner in a trucking company, and he spent over a decade researching and developing a mobile-based platform that will provide real-time tracking and data analytics over uh, freight movements. And his work has culminated in a shipper-to-carrier direct optimization platform that was granted a full U.S. patent in March of 2018. Thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, hi, David. Thank you for having me. Appreciate the time. So for all the people who aren't aware, can you give a little more of a breakdown of lane access and what you're trying to achieve through the company? Yeah, so lane access is the industry first brokerless uh, direct freight network. So um, I always kind of compare it to people don't really realize and they realize now because of the pandemic, uh, the impact of what products being delivered actually mean to them when the shelves are empty. And so uh, from a transportation movement, we're talking about you know, 92% of all products are delivered on a truck. Okay. And so how is it done? And so of that, there's 1.8 plus million trucking companies in the U.S. and 1.4 million of those have five trucks or less. And there's 930,000 owner operators. So when you look at the network, the network is comprised of smaller independent companies. And they're the ones that's actually hauling and moving the freight. So what we're talking about and what Lane Access is, is addressing is the connection between the shipper, the person that needs to move product and or manufacturer, and the person that's actually hauling it. And that is a shipper uh, or, I mean, a carrier and an individual driver itself. And it comprised of, let's just call it a million smaller independent companies. So what we've done is we've built a network that allows contractually for them to come directly to the network. We've built the data attributes itself. So a shipper can query the network and say, show me, you know, the number of carriers in, you know, a 30 mile radius of LAX. And there's 42,745 owner operators and there's 78,000 that have five trucks or less. And there's an ability for them to send an invitation to connect directly to them carriers. So from a contractual standpoint, now they can marry and come together through the network. And then a shipper uploads his loads into the system. He can deal directly with that carrier and negotiate through the network with a bidding process or an auto tendering feature where he can just tender the load to the carrier. Uh, hits accept. We pull payment from the shipper. We hold it in escrow. The load's then tendered to the carrier. And then we have a mobile app called Freight Vision that tracks the load in real time. The shipper and or carrier have an ability to communicate directly with the, with the driver. Hey, make sure you strap down the load or capture temperature of the load. Various different things that happen in daily movements of transportation. Uh, and then all the aspects of this are captured in the data set. So we're actually building real data in transportation. So we know when he arrived. We know when he's unloaded. We know when he delivered. We have a sign proof of delivery. And then all of those communications are part of, of the digitalization of the transportation movement stored on the blockchain. So we blockchain the components and then access token. We have a tokenized platform, a utility token that validates all the data points. So we're, we're able to start scoring the performance of the driver. We know he's on time 98.6% of the time. This guy's on time 72.0% of the time. That's important. We also know loading and unloading times. This location loads in three and a half hours. This location loads in 45 minutes. 
So all of this data that today is being manually inputted through ADI or various different systems or none at all um, is somebody inputting it. We're actually capturing it from the truck uh, itself. It's a device driven. And then we have AI bot components within that that are adding that additional value of like, for an example, capturing you know, uh, the available space on that truck. So we know he's coming out of Chicago, heading to Atlanta. He's 60% full. Uh, he has 40% available space. Uh, so we can start alerting the network. So lane access is really about the transportation network itself and building direct connections and then uh, building the digital asset, which is the data itself. So why do you think the industry is so fragmented as it is now with all a lot of these owner operators as well as small small operators that have few trucks? Well, there's, there's several reasons why. Number one, you know, trucking company margins profits are, are, are narrow. You know, it's five, seven percent profit margin, you know, so 95 to 90, you know, three percent of uh, or 97 percent of that is, is gone in cost. Right. So there's five to seven cents in profit margin. You know, so it's, it's you're taking on a big risk by buying a, you know, 60, 70, 100,000 rig plus a trailer and for smaller profit margins. So there's so, you know, that's why a lot of companies don't buy 100,000 fleets. Right. Mm -hmm. There is no 100,000 fleets. They don't exist. Right. Large trucking companies might have 10 or 12,000. You know, Walmart's got 8,000 trucks. Power mm -hmm. itself, but they move 45,000 loads a day. So the market is just comprised of people that, that want to work and they're good guys and they're hard workers and they buy a truck and they move freight. And then now we're talking about how do they contractually deal with a, sh a shipper that moves freight. So for an example, Walmart that moves 40, 50,000 loads a day, right? In and out of their distribution centers that, could, you know, these smaller independent guys are hauling the freight. They're just not contractually dealing directly with Walmart because Walmart can't manage five, six, seven hundred thousand relationships with smaller mm -hmm. independent guys. Well, now they can because, you know, from a lane access standpoint, they can contractually be on it. They can make sure they have insurance. They're negotiating directly with them. They have real-time visibility. They have exception management. They, they can pay them direct. And it's all stored on the blockchain and they can start to get real data performance. So, the, you know, the, the network is actually going to move. So you say, well, why hasn't it been done yet? Well, and that's because oh, my next question. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's a great question. And, it, and it's one that everybody asks, you know, and they're like, well, why are you guys the industry first? And why are you guys the only one? And how do you guys compare to an Uber Freighter convoy or all these other guys that's doing, you know, they're saying they're, they're shipper direct and we're not a margin driven broker model. We're a direct network. So we don't the shipper and a carrier negotiate directly and they know what each other's paying. That doesn't happen in this world today. The only person that knows it is a third party entity that is negotiating on the behalf of the shipper and he knows what the carrier's getting and, but the shipper doesn't know what the carrier's getting. The carrier doesn't know what the shipper's paying. Right. And so the reason why it hasn't been done is because you have 1.8 million companies, trucking companies, right? That's hauling the freight. So if 97% of this industry is smaller independent, then 97% of this industry is moving the freight. It's just math. So now we're talking about how are they doing it? And so in the past, you know, just three or four short years ago, less than 10% of this industry had a smartphone. Now all of them have it. Well, you have a device in the cab, right? That didn't exist three or four years ago. Okay. Secondly, they were still using paper logs three or four years ago. 90% 90 of this industry, right? Because that's who's hauling it. And they didn't want 
ELDs. Well, now you have electronic logging devices in a cab that's man federally mandated that as the end of December 2019, everybody had to have ELDs. Mm -hmm. So now you have, so we can actually, from network perspective, communicate directly with the truck. So, so there is an ability that is now in front of us that there will be a direct network. And, and you know, from a Homeland Security and different things like that, the government's going to have a single entity of, of, of a network of the trucking companies and pointed to a network where if there is a pandemic in the future, they could, you know, communicate and dispatch trucks wherever they're at in order to move supply of, of emergencies for different things that happen from hmm. a country standpoint. So that's what happened when, you know, 9-11 happened and the towers hit and they were grounded the planes in two hours. They were able to do that because they had a, a communication capability of a single network that says American, United, Spirit, all the rest of you, get on the ground. Mm -hmm. right? And and so if you had that in transportation, which you now have a capability of doing because you have ELDs, you have a logging device and a communication that you can communicate with that truck, you build a single network. And so from a business standpoint, that's what we're doing. We're building a single network that's going to make the network efficient because, you know, there's a million trucks that move empty every day. Well, why is that? Well, because there's no network visibility. You go to DAT and you Google DAT and you say, well, how many loads are on an average are posted on DAT? And that's a load board. And that's 875,000 loads a day. 875,000 loads a day. Well, that's brokers or shippers or they're looking for capacity. They're looking for movements, right? So from a network efficiency model, it's very inefficient. And it's labor intensive, phone calls, paperwork, and that's a lot of people don't realize it because when they order something from Amazon or something online, they get a tracking link and they think everything's tracked. And, and that's a normal assumption, you know. But when you drill into the industry and you start to look at the supply chain and then you start to, to peel back the onion and go, OK, well, how does this actually move? Right. And then you have a network that is 1.8 million trucking companies. Then it starts to go, OK, well, I can, under, I can understand that. And then, well, how do we fix it? And that's what we're doing. Hmm. So how do you find these companies, these trucking companies in the first place to add them to the network? Well, first off, I mean, they're all public DOT, right? So it's a public database that we, and we have them all in our network because, and we have a way that, that we built to communicate with them, right? So, you know, getting the, you know, the, this is what they want. I mean, trucking companies, smaller independent guys, they want to deal directly with who's hauling their freight, who they're hauling the freight for, mm -hmm. right? Because they're getting paid from them, they're communicating with them. And so it's not a hard sell to go to, to smaller independent guys and go, hey, would you like to have freight directly from shippers? Even if you make the same amount of money? Yeah. But in addition, you're going to make more money because we're carving mm -hmm. out the middle. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So... It's not a hard sell. So you go, well, why don't we have millions of loads moving through there? Well, we will eventually, right? Because it's it sales and marketing at this point. I mean, once people realize that they can go direct and there's that much efficiency and savings, then, you know, the model's just going to stay. And, and this model's been done in every industry. This isn't new, right? I mean, we're not the creator of a direct model, right? I mean, we're just applying, you know, movements that's happened in other industries, you know, buying, you know, airline tickets to buying movies to, you know, purchasing your stocks to everything else. Right. 
It's just we've figured out how to build the network and build a system to give them the capability to go direct. So, so it's the technology that's behind it. So you're using technology to go through all these public records to compile a database of, of shippers and where they are located. How do you find, how do you, sorry? No, go ahead. Oh yeah. So how do you, I guess, how do you monetize all of this if you're making it available to people who are looking to ship? Is it like a membership model? Is it a... Uh, yeah, it's just a model? transactional model. So okay. it's it's like you, you buy something online and you put your credit card in and they charge a fee for doing it, right? So we charge 1% to the shipper uh, up front whenever. So if it's $1,000, we charge him $10. And then, he, and then he's charged $5 for his load tracking. So he's going to pay... $15 to move his load when today he's paying 20, 30, 40%. He doesn't really know to a broker. Okay. And then we deduct 1% from the carrier. So on the thousand dollars he gets, he gets 990 because he's deducted the fee, you know, of the $10 trans, the 1% processing fee. So that's our model. So why do you feel like there's so many brokers instead of those individual operators marketing themselves to find their own uh, pairings in the marketplace? Well, they, they, they're needed. And they were great and they were necessity. You had to have them. And, and it started, you know, 15, 20 years ago when a lot of companies, deregulation happened and a lot of companies wanted to remove legacy costs. You know, you had, you had 300 people working in your transportation that was responsible for moving your four or 5,000 loads a day. Uh, or, you know, if you're moving 300 a day, you have 50, 60 people or whatever, and you're going to retire and you're going to pay this guy 30 years in retirement. You know, or you lay them off and you and you outsource the transportation to somebody that's going to handle all this, right? And that was the birth of 3PLs where they come in and they basically just take over the transportation for companies and they save money. And it was good because there was an ability to build a direct network and they had the relationship and they managed all the process, right? So like everything else, it's just, it's just evolution. The evolution of, and the reason why there wasn't a network five years ago because, and I know, because I've been at this this long, right? I mean, we're a seven plus year old company, software company. We started, I started filing patents in 2014, you know? So it was, there was just an inability to build it because technology wasn't there in order to build. It's like a cell phone, right? If you don't have towers to connect, you can't build coverage, right? You have to build the towers, you have to build the infrastructure. Well, the infrastructure is in place now. You know, and so there is an ability to build a direct network. And so the reason that an owner operator doesn't go directly to Walmart is because Walmart goes, I'm not, I can't deal with you directly because I can't manage a hundred thousand relationships with smaller independent guys. It, it, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. It's too labor intensive to make sure they're under contract, make sure they have proper insurance. And then if they break down or manage weather or, or all the other things, and they got, you know, 110 distribution centers and that load's picked up by who, what, I mean, it's complicated, right? Um, and so, you know, all that is we've built a system that really strips off a lot of the inefficiencies and gets to the core. So what is the core? Well, what's transportation? It's moving product from point A to point B. You have a shipper that has product that needs to be moved and you have a carrier that's going to move it. And the reason why I say a carrier is because the driver that actually goes and picks up that load could be an owner operator. Mm -hmm. He's driving his own truck, but he has an operating authority that he's a carrier first. And then his CDLs tag to his operating authority. 
So it's a shipper and a carrier. It's not a driver. It's not an Uber model. It never mm-hmm. can be because there is a carrier that they work for. A person that's a truck driver works for a trucking company that has a DOT number, and that's a carrier. Can you walk me through the journey of your career that led you to come with this, to this idea and then how you decided to finally get started to bring it to life? Yeah, I mean, um, it's been over a decade that, 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 you know, I've solved, you know, I've just, I've been in the trenches, you know, and I know what, I know the inefficiencies and we lived it in as a trucking company and we ran, you know, a number of years peak season. So we ran trucks for UPS for, to help their peak season. So that's a week before Christmas or before Thanksgiving up to Christmas when, you know, the, the volume of, sh- of shipments spike and, uh, you know, the capacity shrinks and everybody needs trucks and they need to move their stuff. So they contract that in advance, you know, well, I mean, that's a colossal failure of, of pain to go through that because, you know, they're calling all the time. You got to give up, you got to give your LMA number, you got to give your trailer number. And it's just, and, you know, they know that, I mean, I'm not telling anything about them. It's the business. Um, but I'm like, we need to build technology to make this more efficient because this is crazy. And, you know, I literally spent 20 hours in a 24 hour period for, you know, two weeks straight in a, in a conference room doing this stuff. Hmm. So it was birthed from the industry itself to fix it. Um, and that's and then now as time has progressed, you know, everything is a progression of learning. You know, it's like, you know, in any sport, you know, how do they how do they figure out the West Coast offense and how they figure yeah. out bread and how they figure it's by games, right? And, and, and fixing things that you're, you're not succeeding. You're running the ball and you're getting one yard, you're punting every, you know, every down, you got to change something, right? And then they, they go, well, let's try throwing. And, you know, and that's the way the system has evolved because, you know, we've gone through this and there wasn't technology like, okay, well, let's build the network, right? Let's build the attributes of the networks public and let's build it and make it queerable so it's easy for these guys to find. And so as they start to come in, they can span their carry base Shippers will start to utilize, you know, efficiency of the network that's going empty that through immediate connectivity of a smart contract that, 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 that they can connect immediately and they can start become efficient. And so, you know, as the network grows and swells, you know, it's going to be, you know, a really efficient machine in the next three to five years, you know. So once you started with the directory of all these carriers, how do you find your first shippers to match them to? Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a needle in the haystack, to be honest with you at the beginning, but they all, but we're not starting transportation. We're making right. it more efficient. So mm-hmm. the business is already being done without lane access and will continue being done without lane access. We could, they could just do it more efficient and less pain if they use the system. And that's what we're doing. So they enter, they bring their, their current relationships in. If it's a shipper, you know, they'll, you know, and then what do they get? Even if they, even if the money's the same, they got a single network that can mm-hmm. expand their carrier base in case one of that carrier has a truck broke down or whatever else. They got a network that they can immediately connect to. They got real data. They got electronic process. So there's so many, there's so much value, irregardless of anybody that we're talking to that, there's no reason why they shouldn't come to the network because they're going to benefit by, you know, joining the network in all aspects, from a cost savings, from a data aspect, an efficiency, everything. Or to clarify, did the, are the first like paying customers, people you knew from like prior connections or like, how do you like break into the industry? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've been at, you know, we've been at this for a long time. We have a lot, we have very good shareholders. I mean, we got a lot of contacts. There's a lot of guy, you know, probably the first core, you know, 50 plus shareholders that were in lane access were in the industry in some form of fashion. And, and quite frankly, I have some, some large shippers that I have relationships with that I haven't even gone to talk to yet hmm. and showed them the system yet because it's, you know, I don't want to cry wolf. And, you know, and in this, you know, it's an evolution to make sure that everything's perfect. You know, you can't go, you know, everybody wants to get the Super Bowl, but you got to make sure you play enough, you know, preseason games and, and, and season and playoffs so that when you get there, you're ready, right? Because you're on a platform national with 100 million people watching and you want to make sure you do everything right. You know, and it's an analogy in this is, you know, we're, we're starting with, you know, smaller mid-sized shippers and relationships and things like that. And we're scaling and we're adding, you know, we're adding several, several shippers, you know, probably 40, 50 shippers every month. You know, um, we've got thousands of carriers in the network. We're moving stuff every day. We're, we're tweaking, you know, the pilot that we're running on the blockchain, you know, so we're making improvements. We got, you know, uh, some stuff coming next week that we're doing. I've got some, some, you know, um, I would say whales that I've talked to that are very interested. I'm not pushing them yet because uh, we're not ready. I don't really think for a couple things, you know, because you got to do integration and scale, um, you know, but you know, there's that, that's going well. Um, so I think when, when we'll start to really become, you know, ready for the playoffs or when we, when the first guy that, that fully integrates, it's a public company. And then 90 days after that, when he reports the amount he saved in his transportation, that's when it's going to change. When did you want to start integrating crypto technologies into your platform? Well, we already do it. I mean, we're already, I mean, access. Uh, to at what point in your history was it, a, did you decide it was a, something you wanted to pursue? Three and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, so we formed access, you know, so access token was formed in November, 2017. We tokenized the platform in 2018. We uh, executed the smart contract on EtherScan in January 2019 and let the asset sit because uh, it wasn't ready and, and the network wasn't ready. And so in the beginning of this year, January, we partnered with Pixelplex, which is a global you know, uh, blockchain firm. Um, and they built all the blockchain components integrated into the legacy system. Um, and there's that work continues and, you know, so we're validating the points access token is validating the points behind the scenes. It's doing its thing. Um, you know, so it's scoring locations and scoring drivers. It's, you know, uh, capturing all the data points. There's probably 45 or so major. And then as the data grows, you know, the demand for that data is going to grow because there's no data in, tra in, in transportation from a network perspective today it doesn't exist. So just like there's no network. So, you know, there's a lot of proprietary systems, you know, um, and, you know, that's why when you look at lane access, we're, we're focused on the network itself. We're not building a proprietary system like a VChain's doing for BMW or whatever else that's a proprietary, you know, that's making their, their documentation on, on blockchain and blah, blah, blah. It's, it, we're focused on the transportation movement and focused on eliminating, you know, cost and inefficiencies in the network and removing, you know, the need for third party intermediaries and freight brokers, freight forwarders, uh, third party logistics, large trucking companies that do purchase transportation. So they buy, 
buy the load for a thousand and subcontract it out to to you know Billy Bob for seven hundred, right? That's a brokered load, but it's it's reported as person's transportation. So you know that's what we're focused on. That's why you know I know the industry, I know who's out there, I know what people are doing, um, and you know I don't spend a lot of time with it to be honest with you because I'm not really worried um, because we have the purest form of a solution of a transportation network. And what I mean by that is, you know, a shipper is the origin of the movement itself because they have product that needs to be moved. And the carrier is the origin of the person that's moving it. Okay. So that's the purest form. And then it's assigned to his driver. And so we're capturing all the data. So it's a direct network, direct data, you know, direct pay. Um, So even if somebody's doing it, they're doing it equal. They're not doing it better. You know, because it, there, there's nothing else that we can cut out that's and then from a network perspective, we can start to maximize through AI bots and components of efficiency within the network, uh, available capacity. And as the network grows, it's just going to become more and more efficient. What made you want to pursue a uh, like token based solution versus a centralized like data warehouse or, or um, well, because there's no data? And, and, and so, I mean, I think it's not a far stretch that we could all probably see in the next 10 years. There probably won't be paper money. There's going to be digital assets or the future, right? So what is blockchain? Well, it's a decentralized. So it's, it's making a Walmart, an Amazon, a FedEx, a UPS trust the network because it's a trustless network. Mm-hmm. Yes, this guy did pick it up. Yes, this guy did. His score is, it's like a credit score, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what is a credit score? It's a risk assessment. Mm-hmm. So it tells a bank or an entity that, hey, your score is 800. You're going to pay probably, you know, pretty good risk, right? This guy says this guy's on time 99.9% of the time. I'm pretty good to give him my low because I know it's probably going to get there, right? I, I mean, and, and that's what, but there's no data. So the reason why I looked at the tokenize and utilizing, you know, the data and then people that want access to the data, whether it's the government, insurance companies, you know, um, fuel stations. I mean, there's there's a lot of efficiency by building a network that's a trustless network that's pulling this data that's real, that is real time that, I mean, look at a trucking company, man. They, you know, they get six miles a gallon, they, they get a hundred gallons of fuel. Well, if you can get them 30, 40, 50% based on the amount that they have in their tank and it makes on where they're going and, the, and what it's going to take and efficiently make fuel purchases, Mm-hmm. How much savings to is it to a guy that there's a million companies that's an owner operator mm-hmm. that lives by margins? Thirty cents a gallon. If you're buying a hundred gallons, is significant. Mm-hmm. You're getting six miles a gallon, right? Mm-hmm. So those are things that what drove the token because all of them are going to be token access. If you want real time data from fuel, it's going to take tokens mm-hmm. because it's just going to access the data network. So any it's an API. So any any parts of transportation, which is 92% of all products. So our mission is to build the network itself. If the network builds on a global scale, you know, so I could see this in five, seven years that, you know, there's a direct network of a transportation movement that started in Beijing that went to the port that got picked up in Long Beach and delivered in Chicago. And we have chain of custody all the way back. And it's the most efficient move of price, fuel, network, scoring and that all hmm. is accessed through the token because it's the data hmm. and who's currently running the the nodes that back the blockchain are you using are you piggybacking on a, another blockchain well we're 
we're, we're uh, Ethereum layer two. Okay, I see. I see. Optimum, yeah. So, okay. I mean, as it becomes more efficient, as you know, that the the London fork was just went off real good, and you know, we we thought about some other things. We thought about private blockchain. You know, uh, we thought about you know um, Binance chain, and okay. we were originally deployed on Ethereum. But you know, but you know, Ethereum's you know um, we're very very confident. We we're, we're you know, and obviously. You know, it's deployed with a lot of networks, and I think you know it's not a hard sell to see that you know Ethereum, Ethereum is is the future of the network. I think it'll, you know, it might be Web 3.0 to be honest. With you. Hmm. Um, but so um, you know, so we're we're very confident with that. We're very comfortable with that, and and you know um, that'll just grow and scale as the network grows. As of right now, how big is your team? Um. We have about uh, fifty plus. And how how they split into like different departments? Um, well, we have I don't count some shareholders and big people that that have relationships that, that can get into different doors. So from mm-hmm. you know we have front end, back end, uh, we have iOS, um, Android, we have API, we have integration, <clears throat> we have blockchain, um, you know we have design, um, and then you know we have. Uh, our marketing, then we have our content, our writers, we have, and then we have all, you know, back-end services, you know, you know, because you, you, everything you're doing is you're tracking, right? So that's just the mix. Can you walk me through how the team grew over time? Like, what was the starting team and like, at what stage did you hire additional people and how did you know you want to hire on new people at different stages? I mean, I think you're, 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 I mean, we stay lean as, as long as we can. Mm-hmm. You know, I still take the garbage out and, and I get my own coffee and, you know, I, I, you know, I'm on calls and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, you know, you do what you got to do because that's what you have to do. Um, so we're nowhere near where we need to be and, and we're going to maintain, you know, um, a lean process until the system grows organically and it will demand to fill a hole with somebody right mm-hmm. in an area of expertise. So um, you know, if you don't have anybody on your team that can't get around the corner, if you don't have any speed, you better go get some speed. Hmm. Well, the game dictates that, right? Um, and because if you don't have linemen to allow somebody to show you that you need speed, you're never going to get outside, right? So uh, same way with here. So we we feel we need it. We added two guys just in the last month that 30 plus years of experience in systems and, and the network. We've added both of those, one on the shipper side and carrier side. They're actually coming in next week. We're going through the beta stuff that they found and they found tweaks that we need to make changes and things like that that's going to make us scale quicker. Well, that was done from, uh, you know, we needed it, right? I mean, we built the Model T and, and you know, every car's black and it's, you know, it can run on the road, but it, it needs improvements, right? And you don't know that until you get on the road. Well, you need shocks. You know, you should probably put air in there because it's 100 degrees in, in Arizona and, and you probably ought to put a radio in there because people get bored. You know, just different things like that. And that's how you make them changes. But, the, but you know, your evolution is changing because you don't want to be doing that too early because you'll burn all your money. Right. And you're going to be constantly raising money, you know. And, and so, um, you know, our future is going to be dictated by, you know, the holes that we need to fill based on the demand that we need to fill it, you know. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that as needed, but we're going to stay lean until, cause we want to control our own destiny. 
you know. On top of staying lean, as a company leader, what culture are you trying to foster to make your company sustain the longest duration of time and to, I guess, achieve the, the most that you can? Um, you know, I, I just want I want to work so they, they see that I'm always on every call and I'm in here and I'm out and, and as long as I can do it, as long as I'm at this, that's the most important because I have guys, you know, that have been here for a long time already. Mm. And, and that's because they know I'm in the grind with them. I'm not asking them to do something. You know, I don't golf because I don't have time. I like it, but I don't do it because I don't have time. I work out in the morning, but I get in there at, at, at uh, 530 in the morning. You know, so I'm in the office. So I think you have to lead by example first, especially mm-hmm. at this critical stage, because it's important. Um, and they got they they got to trust what you're telling them that mm-hmm. and you're going to be in there with them. And you're not asking them to do something you won't do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think resonates with from the development, from from everything that I touch. I'm talking to these guys every day because I'm in here. And, and, and they got to see, you know, as what we would say as the leader, right? I mean, you have to be, you have to lead. And if, if you want to know if you're a leader, look behind you. You know, if there ain't nobody there, you're not leading anybody. Right? So the, the, I got to lead these guys and they got to know I'm, I'm in there with them. And, and we're in this, and same with shareholders. You know, shareholders call me, I call them back. <clears throat> you know, we got over seven, 8,000 shareholders. I'll call them. I'm going to call them all. Hmm. You know, because um, they need to hear from me. If they got a question, I'm going to answer it. And, and you know, they can trust that, you know, hey, it, timing and things don't work out what you think or whatever else, but they know that you're figuring it out because you're in there working. And that's what they trust. And that's what I want them to know. Earlier you mentioned how you are just the very, very beginning of this entire industry. You have a long trajectory before you is just because there's so much potential out there. As you hire for your company, what do you look for within the leaders that you hire? Because I imagine every person you hire now, you, you like think about the potential over just not just the coming season of like a few quarters, but over the few, at least minimum few years. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, you know, I want the guy to work. You know, I've had guys in the past that they, they you know, I'd call them, Hey, you're going to get on this call and you know, this, this stuff that's annoying that that's, you know, just professional and responsible. You know, I don't really, a guy can, a person that's willing to work can learn anything. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing you can't tell by a resume. Hmm. How hard are they going to work? I'll take that over anything because I'll teach him what he needs to know. I know transportation and I know systems and I know the supply chain. And I got 200, 2000, not 200, 2000, probably, things that we're going to add, I've already added to JIRA that's going to be coming in bells and whistles, hmm. you know, because we're going to be adding, you know, I mean, the car's going to be, it's Model T, it's going to be a Lamborghini when it ends up in the next three years, right? Um, but you got to get on the car and you got to get on the road and get it moving. Um, and so, um, you know, we'll be hiring people that, you know, want to work because that's the number one thing that, that, you know, you need out of people. If they're willing to work, then they'll put the time in to learn, and then they'll be become an asset. You know, I mean, my son didn't know anything about blockchain, really, when he graduated college. Now he knows a ton because he's been in here working. And, how, do you, uh, how do you tell someone's work ethic from an interview? Um, you know, 
certain questions I ask and how they ask that. And, and, you know, and then, you know, it kind of just, you, you figure it out. You can tell, you know, you can tell, you know, okay. based on questions you ask a priority and if this happened, how would you, you know, whatever. And, and it's not that the company, you know, you know, everybody gets a break and everybody, you know, I, I like to have a good time too. It's not like I'm stiff, you know, um, but there's a time and a place and, and, you know, the most important time is lane access and what we're doing and, and the future of what we're growing and an opportunity. We have not, there's a lot of people knocking on this, this door, this space to fix this problem um, and, and the opportunity that's in front of us. And so, you know, that's in the forefront because I think we're the leader at this point, but, you know, doesn't mean we're going to win. So you have to, you know, you got to stay thirsty, my friend. That's the old saying, but it's true, you know, um, because the minute that you relax, that's when you catch an L. What, is, what does it take for you to feel satisfied at the end of a work day? Um, you know, I, I got to know that that there isn't anything that that I should have done today that that mm -hmm. I left to say I'm gonna do tomorrow. I mean, okay. I just, you know, I, I keep my inbox clean. I you know I, I don't avoid calling somebody. I don't avoid sending an email. I don't I don't you know there might be a strategy to send it tomorrow. That's different, you know. Um, but you know because you know the person pissed you off and you need to think about it right and make sure you don't say something you shouldn't have said so you sleep on it and that's always a good thing to do that's not putting it off that's a that's a wise thing mm -hmm. that i've learned over the years before i just would have sent it you know um so you're a little bit wiser as you get older um you know but at the end of the day you know when i get home i you know um i, I want to know that i that you know i did everything that i was supposed to do today that you know and i'm not putting anything off for tomorrow because there ain't no tomorrow I mean, we, we get everything done, we can get done today. That's it. On top of learning when to speak and when to be patient, where are some other nuggets of wisdom you've accumulated in the past few years? Huh. Um, you know, it's, it's challenging working with, with, you know, certain guys. You know, you have to understand that, that people aren't going to always do what they say they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's learning to let that go and move on. And, and, you know, I've had a couple of partners and I've had got, you know, and I don't wish them any bad, you know, mm -hmm. um, I really don't, you know, I wish them the best. It's just, you got to move on and mm -hmm. you got to focus on yourself. So I choose to focus on myself and I'm not perfect. So, you know, and I know my, my, you know, my faults and, um, you know, uh, but I, you know, I will put, a, I put an honest day of work in and, I, and, and, uh, and I keep the grind. And so I think the number one wisdom would be just to, you know, focus on yourself and, and keep everything positive in your life mm -hmm. that you can. And then if something does happen, don't wish them no bad, don't do no bad karma and don't do anything to try to hurt them. Just move on and, and, and just let the process play out. And in the end you win because what you're constantly putting out is good karma, right? Because regardless of what happens to you, you know, Every day you're working hard and you're, and you're moving your agenda forward and you're moving your company forward. And, you know, I think and I and I live that because, you know, we had a lot of tough times three years ago and, you know, we just kept grinding positive and control what we're doing. And now, you know, we're at this point and there's there's a lot of good things in the next three years that could really, really happen to lane access shareholders, you know, and will.
Can you elaborate on what if there was something particular that happened three years ago that made? No, I mean it's it's not. Look, man, it's 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 you know things happen in life. It's nothing against a, a particular instance or person. <laughs> things happen in life, right? You know, you didn't get along, they didn't get along, or whatever. Yeah. You can go to different ways. You know, um, I'm just saying that that's somebody that's listening to that. Everybody's going to have that in their life hmm. in some form of fashion, whether it's business or personal or whatever else. People are going to let you down or they're not going to do. And they might, it might, they might say it's your fault. It don't matter whose fault it is. It doesn't matter. Move on and, 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 and keep it positive. What I'm saying is don't spew the venom and, and don't right. try to get back. And I have, a, I have an excuse and I have a reason I have just caused, let it go, hmm. you know, focus on yourself. And, and be positive for yourself and circle yourself around and, and try not to make, you know, decisions again that, that you get entangled with things that, you know, you, you don't, you aren't aligned with. Right. That's, that's really my message. You know, stay positive, you know, show love, man. I mean, cause life's too short anyway. There's too much garbage out there. Drama. And that's why I don't have social media. <laughs> the reason I try to minimize my time on Twitter. <laughs> you won't find me on there. Um, the next company's got Twitter and all that stuff, but I'm not, I personally, I don't, I don't do any of Facebook, nothing. <laughs> That's the way I like to keep it too. Yeah. More time as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I surround myself with positive people that, that, you know, it's good vibes. And that, there's a song and they're saying, but, I, but it's true, man, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and people, for some reason, they like negative. I don't. And, and I'm not going to spew it. And, and mm. somebody says, hey, man, I heard you say, well, they're lying because I don't do that. Hmm. I'm going to go talk bad about somebody. Okay. So one of the reasons I started this podcast is to help student-to-be founders and early-stage founders find their, I guess, trajectory in life based on hearing the narratives and stories of other entrepreneurs. Do you have any advice that you give to that audience on top of what you already shared? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say if, if you feel it and you want to do it, do it. Okay. And, and then, and then, you know, guys that have taken time like myself or whatever else that, you know, connect personally with them. Cause I know that if somebody reached out to me, I'd help them in, hmm. in, in the form of, Hey, what, you know, what are you going through? And, and I may not even know what kind of business it don't matter because mm-hmm. businesses are all the same. It's people you're dealing with. Hmm. And, and, and so your situations are probably going to be pretty much the same in the solution. I'm going to tell you how to handle it may not be something you want to hear, but it's going to be the truth. And, and, and so, you know, for those young people that want to get, you know, do it because you'll find that you probably are doing it because you want money or this is what it's going to, and you'll find as you evolve and you mature, I don't do this because of money. I do this because I believe in it. And it's a passion. And I, and I, when Elaine Access succeeds, we're going to help hundreds of thousands of drivers improve their lives. And that's where I'm, that's what drives me. You know, the monetary thing's going to come up, obviously, because I'm a founder. And, and so is every other entrepreneur that founds it, right? They're going to be founders. So they're going to benefit. But if your benefit is your main driver, you won't make it. You got you got to believe and passionately behind something else that's going to make a difference. And once you get once you gravitate to that, and you wrap your mind around that, and that becomes your core, then you'll make it. Then you just have to. You'll have days you don't feel like getting up. Get up. 
make force yourself because you're the only one that can discipline yourself. And if you learn that, it's discipline of the every day, just knocking the things off you're supposed to be doing. And if you do that, you'll succeed. You seem like a very disciplined person. Is that something you always had as a part of you or something you developed over your career? No, I've always been that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you, as, a, uh, as a father, do you have any like particular parenting tips in terms of like helping raise uh, disciplined children? <laughs> um, well, both of my kids, you know, my two oldest kids, you know, they work for me, you know, um, and, you know, I, I expect a lot out of them, but th they're used to that. And, and they know that when I'm asking them, I only want the best for them. Right. And so let your kids be themselves would be my suggestion. And, you know, you have an idea what you want them to be. Let that go. Okay. Let them be who they are and whatever that is and support it and love them. And then they'll probably end up gravitating what you really want them to do because that's how they're built. Well, this has been a really uh, informative hour full of a lot of principles. I look forward to uh, carrying forward into my future. Uh, the last question I just want to leave the audience with is uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you if they'd like to do so? Yeah. So my email is uh, rick at laneaccess.com, L-A-N-E-A-X-I-S dot uh, com. And my phone number is 858-413-6007. I think you are the first person to share a phone number on this podcast, but <laughs> I look forward to seeing what oh. comes <laughs> okay well thanks again for your time rick it's been a great hour appreciate it